Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sports and about to be joined by Ken Weave from Sportsnet. Together, we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post game show after what I truly believe is the Jets' best game of the season. Uh, I take a look at this one. It reminds me of the St. Louis Blues game that we saw a little while back. It reminds me of that second game that they played against the Dallas Stars here. Um, one thing that seems certain for certain with this team is that they definitely seem to know how to play in front of this crowd, especially when it is big games. Uh, we just finished up our little sports net chat there. And the one thing that I'm taking stock of here in this situation, Jets now have two wins over the Colorado Avalanche, two wins over the Dallas Stars, a win over the St. Louis Blues. Yes, they got kind of kicked around by the Minnesota Wild, and that's something that they'll, uh, you know, they got kicked around by the Dallas Stars in their first game against them as well and have done pretty good against them since. But, to me, the Winnipeg Jets are clearly laying claim as the early kings of the Central Division. Now, uh, a couple things that I just loved about this performance. You take a look at this. Five on five, which has been a struggle for them this year, they seem to finally wake up. Short, shorthanded. They absolutely shut them out tonight. They get a goal on the power play. Their defense is firing. Their goaltending is firing. Every single thing seemed to be going with this team tonight. That's what it looks like. Because we've had a lot of games where we've looked and we've said there's this defensive bedrock that that uh, has been created by Rick Bonus that this team is trying to play off of, and it's uh, a bedrock that is supposed to allow them to survive on nights when Connor Hellebuck isn't at his best, when the players aren't firing. This, to me, is what it looks like when everything is firing and they come out, they take on a uh, uh, somewhat depleted, but definitely game team in the, in the uh, Colorado avalanche. And I got to say, one of the things I liked about this, we were getting used to it kind of back in the day, you know, in the, with the Winnipeg jets over the last number of years, you know, essentially under the Paul Maurice era of this always being just like, you know, it's a, uh, just another game and all this kind of stuff. Talked to the Colorado Avalanche head coach, Jared Bednar, before the game and said to him, you know, this is essentially, I know no one's catching the Dallas Stars with a victory here tonight, but the Dallas Stars have played a bunch of extra games. So there is a little bit of a staking the flag as the best team in the Central at this time in this game here tonight and asked him about that. And I said, you know, I know there's a lot of perspective that comes with winning a Stanley Cup and being the Stanley Cup champs. And maybe part of that perspective is games like this. Oh, whatever. They're just they're this early in the season. Maybe they're not meaningless. And he said to the contrary, this, these are the kind of games that you got to get up for. These are the kind of games that matter. You want to send that message of who you are. Well, asterisk bonus, the same thing after the game. And he's like, yeah, this is not another game. And I love that. I love saying out loud the recognition by the Winnipeg Jets that this is a big game, that this matters. It's okay to say that out loud. And I think it's okay to say that out loud because the Jets know that win or lose, they're getting to the place where they can expect they're going to get a good performance in regardless, that they're not going to be letting letting anything down. And I, I, I love that. And I love the quote. Uh, and I, Kenny will have the quote because uh, he's always got the receipts. But Rick Bonus had said about this team a couple of things that I just first period. The Jets are up one to nothing. It was a little bit of a, you know, it was one of those periods where maybe the Colorado Avalanche had been the better team, but the Jets came out ahead in the score. They go into the room, sit down on the bench, and Rick Bonus walks into the room and says, You guys are giving them too much respect. The Stanley Cup champs, 
Rick Bonus walked in and said to the Winnipeg Jets, you guys are giving these guys too much respect. And what we saw from that point on in the game is the response of a team that has basically been challenged in a way that says, you guys, these guys are either not as good as you think they are, or they are as good as you think you are, that, as you think they are. But you guys are good enough to ride with these guys. And maybe beyond that, beyond riding with these guys, you are good enough to get past these guys. And I love that idea because you walk in and you say that you're giving them too much respect. It means as a player, your choice is to respond by saying, if I'm giving them too much respect, that I not only need to you know, view them in a different way, I need to elevate myself to a place where I thought these guys were. Unbelievable coaching. I think this is just another one of these situations where Rick Bonus is is having just a great effect on the team. And if you want to talk about great effect on the team, let's just take a look for a second at what Rick Bonus has done with uh, with Blake Wheeler. And you know what, Ken is going to want in on this, so let, let's maybe not jump into that just yet. Uh, I've said a little bit of a piece here. It's time to bring Ken into the show. Let's bring in the guy with the main, or my main man with the best music in the business. Here comes Ken. Kenny, my friend, looking dapper as usual. I know, I know someone who looks that good has Frank's thumbprints all over them. Uh, is that one of the new ones? Yes, sir. It's the, uh, yes, the brandest of the new ones uh, on the suit side anyways. I like uh, it. <clears throat> yes, sir. Yes, and we're uh, supporting the uh, Hockey Fights Cancer today as well. So that's excellent a good, stuff. good thing to be doing. And thank you for the ribbon. It's your ribbon and yep. pen, but you're just a selfless person. Uh, team player you want to make me look good so you have well you do that on your own and you know who especially does it for you is our main man frankie over at vittorio rossi you want to look like kenny and slash or rennie head on down to the boys of vittorio rossi clothiers down on cordon avenue go give them a visit go ask for frankie say give us the kenny and rennie special which is you want to look as good as us he'll make it happen probably better to be honest with you we, we're we're not much to start with so uh when you're molding a lump of clay into what you see here uh frank is the best at doing it ken what do you think of that game well i mean impressive um you know it's interesting uh i'm interested in more in the psychology than the actual play the play in itself was very interesting sean um We'll start with that, and then we'll get into the uh, other the post game commentary. Uh, I've got a few thoughts on that, and I know you do as well. Um, in terms of the play, I mean, I thought that the Jets were a little bit sluggish in the first period. Um, they weren't, you know, not bad by any stretch, but I think they were uh, a little bit like what Rick Bonus likes to say. He, th I think they, he thought they were on their heels a little bit uh, in that game in the first period, and then they elevated the last two periods. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, I think obviously the stars were shining brightly for the Winnipeg Jets and a couple of uh, just absolutely dynamite goals throughout the course of the game. Lots of competition for the lamplighter this evening. 
to me, I was impressed by the goaltending, of course. Uh, but again, you look up and it's 40 saves for Connor Hellebuck, but I don't think he was under siege by any stretch of the imagination in this no. game, Sean. But uh, rock solid and uh, very sound in a lot of ways. Again, I didn't see them as giving up. A, I, I know that the you know the analytics say there were quite a few high-danger chances, and yes, Hellebuck was steady and solid, but uh, I thought the Jets' structure was pretty good. And this game was really never in question. And part of the reason for that was the improved play of the penalty kill. I mean, we know the Avalanche have one of the best power play. Oh, they have the best power play in the NHL, I think, right now. The Oilers are up there, yep. too. But um, the Avalanche power play can be lethal. Uh, we know that they kind of left the door open on a couple occasions. You know, the Jets had built a lead, but then they kind of left the door ajar uh, for a power play goal to kind of get the Avalanche back into the game. Uh, but, it, you know, the Jets sort of stabilized, did a great job on the penalty kill. Uh, their special teams are solid on both fronts. And, man, oh, man, I mean, uh, Blake Wheeler, what a performance. We're going to get into that as we move along yeah. here. But uh, the man is turning back the clock in the battle against Father Time. Um, really starting to gel once again with Mark Shifley and Cole Perfetti. That line I thought was fantastic. Uh, you know, one of those overlap shifts. You saw Kyle Connor with a, just a dynamite feed. Um, up top from the old press box. It looked like he may have waited a beat too long, but no, sir. He did not wait a beat too long. He made a perfect pass for the backdoor tap for Mark Shifley. But, uh, you know, again, a lot of kind of the, the unsung heroes were evident, but this was the day when the stars were definitely shining, and, you know, that's one of the reasons why the Jets were able to improve to 14-6-1. and one. Uh, They pulled within one point of the Dallas Stars. They continue to lead the Central Division in points percentage at the quarter point of the year and that is an impressive feat and you know let's get into it right away i mean sean uh you asked rick bonus the question uh, what did you think of his response i mean we know that we know jared bednar's feelings about this game he felt it was an important one for their their group a group that had been seven and two over their last nine games even though we know they have a ton of injuries to key personnel uh they were seven and two going into the game and the jets kind of you know, quite frankly, left them behind in this game out in the final two periods. What did you well, think of Rick Bonus's response to whether it was just another game or not? Well, we, sorry, we touched on that before you got into oh, the show, Ken. No, we went the, in that direction. I, I will say this, uh, or, or you know what, before I do say that, let, let's get your take on that. People heard my take on it. It's good that you uh, weren't in the green room and you can kind of give like a totally sure. unvarnished clean take, slate uh, and give the people, give the people the, uh, you know, the look at what you think about it untouched by my opinion. Sure. I mean, I'm going to say it right. I mean, <laughs> I, I loved Rick Bonus's take. Make them worry about us. I mean, I love that go. take by Rick there Bonus. And even a step further, when I asked Blake Wheeler, I mean, I wasn't expecting him to bite by any stretch of the imagination, but sometimes you never know. you got to ask the question and see what happens. I asked Blake Wheeler if he thought it was a statement win for his team based on those circumstances that we were talking about. And I, I loved Blake's response. He basically made it sound like, it was a let's act like we've been here before response, Sean, don't you think? I mean, to me, it looked like a guy who was like, yeah, you know, that's an important win for us. But you know what? Ho-hum. We want to be an excellent team. You got to beat excellent teams if you want to be among the league leaders. And uh, to me, that was really impressive uh, in terms of how he handled that. Uh, you know, in terms of bonus, I loved what he said. I mean, I think that, you know, all of us going into today. Oh, there you go. You're back on. You're, you froze up a little bit for a second, my man. I've got no internet all of a sudden. Let me find something. 
Keep on going, though. Sorry. Yeah, Rick. no, I mean, so what I what I liked about what Rick Bonus said is that, yeah, I mean, everyone's looking at the Stanley Cup champions. And, Sean, we were in the room this morning. I mean, I was talking to Miko Rantanen uh, about, you know, for, us, for my Weebs World story for Sunday, my Sunday column. Uh, and, again, he said the same thing that we heard earlier on in the year in Denver. I mean, basically every team is getting, you know, the Avalanche are getting almost every team's best, right? So... I mean, the Jets were trying to kind of turn the tables here. Everyone's saying, well, you know, the, everyone expected the Avalanche to pick things up and then essentially skyrocket into first place. Well, Winnipeg's kind of sitting here and saying, hey, wait a second. Wait a second. Maybe some other teams should be paying attention to this group. And, you know, I love that attitude. You know, we saw it right going into the season. Sean, you asked about expectations. You know, Bonus said they want to be a playoff team, not just sneak into the playoffs. They want to be one of the best teams in the Central. Through 21 games, they have been that, according to their record, first in points percentage. Um, it, it's been an impressive showing. I mean, we keep kind of wondering. I mean, some people are asking us almost every single day, are the Jets actually good? And you know what, Sean? This is another example of the Jets building the case that they are a good hockey team that's not just riding out a wave of, you know, 6-1 and one overtime play or elite-level goaltending. I mean, this is a group that is clearly bought in to a system, and if they continue to play like that, they can have sustained success. I mean, it's not a guarantee of sustained success, but they are laying the foundation. And that today was another important building block in that foundation. And at least that's how I saw it. Well, I, I think it's a good conversation on whether or not the Jets are for real. But that's what I love about Bonus's response to that, is saying, make them worry about us. This is a way of saying, the, we know that this team is good. We know that the Colorado Avalanche are set to do something this year. But th this is planting the seed, right? Th th this is staking your right. claim as being one of the better teams in the league. This is you putting yourself up with the Boston Bruins. This is you putting yourself up with the Vegas Golden Knights. This is you putting yourself up amongst, you know, the Colorado Avalanche, the Dallas Stars, and the Jets are doing that. And the one thing that I love about it is the idea of that is, is coming out in the fact that in these big games, which Rick Bonus is not afraid to say are big games, the Jets are coming out and they're doing great. They did great against the St. Louis Blues. Did great against, and you know, I brought it up already. Twice now they've beat the Avalanche. Twice they've beat the Dallas Stars and shown up at the right times. This is a team that is acting and showing up at the right times, the way a team that would be should be considered one of the best in the league is doing right now, and this is just another one of those times uh, that th that they prove it. Um, I, I I thought that there was here. I'll, I'll just get this point in before we go to the lamplighter. What I thought was really interesting here tonight is you not know my thoughts in the past on teams that are like you know what. There's a little bit of an idea that Rick Bonus is saying, let them worry about us. And that kind of sometimes can sound like what Paul Maurice used to talk about, where he was like, oh, no, we don't worry about what the other team is doing. We worry about what we're doing. But that's not how Rick Bonus works. We know that because one of the things, and I asked him a question based on it today, the Jets players will tell you Rick Bonus is really, really active at making in-game adjustments. The first, the first intermission, the second intermission are filled with Rick Bonus going in and saying, we need to change this, we need to do this, we need to do this. Not entirely abandon your system, because clearly their system looks the same, but the little tweaks that get you by teams like that. I thought tonight the Jets 
were a far more disciplined team, despite the, the shot clock and all that. They were the far more disciplined team at picking up on the Avalanche's mistakes and capitalizing on those mistakes. And the Avalanche were just trying to do the same thing over and over again. I don't think that they were reacting to the way that the Jets played. And I think the perfect example of that is Wheeler's goal. It's a, it's a power play. The, the top left man on the box gives way too much room to Wheeler. And what does he do? He skates into that space and rips it. It's a goal. Boom. Wheeler's second goal is Nathan McKinnon not hustling back into the play. And the Jets had four guys up. The Avalanche had three guys back. They thought three would be enough, but the Jets do a good enough job of spreading those three players out and getting open for Blake Wheeler. And you'll catch, you know, like like people used to talk about Mark Scheifele last year. Well, number 29 for the Colorado Avalanche gets stuck in the camera shot, getting posterized because he didn't hustle back enough hard into the play. Go on. I think he he did hustle. He just did not have the head on a swivel. He was standing in a position where he could have actually got to Wheeler. I just don't think that he noticed that he was there. Now well, again, no, he, it's still he, got, he hustled, but he got he got zoned in on the passer. Agreed, but I, he did. Yeah. It's you can't say he didn't hustle back. I mean that I think was sorry. Never mind. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just think that he he was sort yeah. of in position, but he didn't play it properly. That's my own yeah. Well, well, I wouldn't say I he didn't hustle. But I'm thinking I'm the same as you because that happened to Mark Scheife last year. I honestly looked to my right to Marat. I said, can you imagine if that was Mark Scheifele on the back check, how people would be reacting or how they did react last season? Never mind. Sorry. No, no doubt. Anyway, I just think that the Jets took what was given to them tonight and the Colorado Avalanche didn't. I think the, the Colorado Avalanche tried to force their game onto the Jets. And I think this is this is going to be one of the beautiful things about this team underneath Rick Bonus is they are going to have a coach who prepares them well, who goes like crazy into video. And so if you are going to go up against the Jets and not make adjustments and just keep trying to do the same thing over and over again, it's going to be like waves crashing into a wall. It's not going to have any kind of effect. That's what I saw tonight. And I saw the Jets responding a different way and picking apart the the uh, the Colorado Avalanche and doing a great job of it. Your lamplighter on the night, Ken. Yeah, I mentioned a couple of great candidates, but uh, to me it is the second of the Blake Wheeler goals. A great finish for sure by Blake Wheeler, but to me it's the pass by Perfetti that makes the play. And an awesome job by Mark Scheifele on the entry and then getting it over to Perfetti, man. Uh, I walked over to Derek Meech, former NHLer and former Jet during the intermission because I just wanted to get his thoughts on when Perfetti would have picked up Wheeler in his peripheral vision. And even, too, asking Wheeler about it after Sean Boy, oh boy. How, like, Blake Wheeler's been one of the best passers in the NHL for you know about a decade plus. Man, he was thoroughly impressed by Perfetti's ability to pick up the puck, sort of transition to go wide, and then without even looking at Wheeler to draw attention to him, he waits to the perfect time, takes the puck kind of to the outside on his backhand, then drops the puck perfectly, allowing Wheeler to walk into it and bury it. Uh, man, oh man, just an outstanding uh, bit of vision by Perfetti. Uh, great connection by that line overall, which I thought was fantastic. And Wheeler's second of three goals uh, in what was his fourth career hat trick uh, is my lamplighter of the game. And uh, I'm with you. And I, I, you know, T. Will, we're thinking about you. And I, I love the way that the chat room is responding. I mean, just I hope that T. Will feels the love that is being sent his way. And we appreciate you spending some time with us on what we know are some tough circumstances for you. 
Well, I'll tell you this, T. Will. Uh, I learned one of the guys who loves to be all over me on this show uh, is a brother-in-law of um, a good high school friend of my wife's, uh, and both. T. Will and his brother-in-law uh, are going to be at the Kenny and Rennie Christmas party. Um, and uh, we're sending you the love now, T. Will. Uh, we hope you're holding on uh, and we'll, uh, we'll ho- hoist a beer in honor of your father on December 18th. Should spread the news quickly before I do our lamplighter that uh, um, our December 18th Kenny and Rennie Christmas party is officially sold out. All the tickets are taken care of, but don't worry about it. Uh, if you want to come watch another live viewing of the Kenny and Rennie show, that won't be our last. We're going to do it all over again on January 21st. So, uh, clear your schedule that's a saturday night the christmas party is uh, the 18th is on a sunday night this will be a saturday night so we can probably do it up even even more uh at that time i just wanted to get the news out there because people have been hitting us up for tickets and people have been asking after everything sold they started moving earlier this morning and into the afternoon ken and all of a sudden they were all gone so uh Mark it on your calendar january 21st and i would like to announce that the lamp lighter winner uh from last game is give me one second here is gord frazier gord frazier so gord frazier you are officially on the clock you have until the next game uh which is not going to be until friday ken no so yeah friday uh you have uh that until then to get a hold of me direct message me at uh sn sean reynolds uh i need your name i need your uh an email for me to send this to and you will have a frosty delicious pack eight pack of Lamplighter, Amber Ale, the Nectar of the Gods. People have been going in there. I got to tell you this. Uh, I was talking with uh, one of the camera guys, one of the uh, photographers here who shoots, and he'd said, I didn't know this, but apparently TransCanada Brewing Company won uh, a competition for like the best pizza in Canada a couple of years ago. I don't know if he's got that right. I'll have to check into that. But the reason I bring it up is because whether that's happened or not, I believe it's happened because, man, oh, man, that pizza is phenomenal. I keep hearing stories from a bunch of people who go in and they not only pick up their eight pack of lamplighter they try some of the other beer or they stop in for lunch and try the food do yourself a favor and do exactly that because it is absolutely there is very few misses uh trans brewing company and maybe that's bad reporting for me because i haven't seen a miss yet so maybe there's no misses maybe very few is is over exaggerating but if you can't wait for us to hand out your frosty delicious eight pack of lamplighter amber ale head on down to trans brewing company uh go check out their tap room awesome space 11290 keniston uh gotta love that stuff ken i think i'm gonna go with the johnston group got you covered play of the game now sounds good i is this is another one of those games where you know yeah he had a shutout connor hellbuck stopped 40 shots maybe this is one of these plays that kind of heads in the other direction we have seen the jets you know give up some late leads against dallas and against carolina so you never know if it's happening but that net front scramble that was driving everybody nuts because the whistle wasn't blown I don't know what you saw. The overhead view I saw showed that the puck was indeed um, open. Uh, it was, and yes. The entire and I'm, sho- and I'm so, shocked that it was open. So I'm I with you. I, I'm like, how can you? There's no way that the ref can see that, except he was actually in perfect position perfect. on the net and noticed that it plinkled around from like six different pairs of skates. Blocker, it hit his pad twice. People everywhere tried to cover it with his blocker. It couldn't happen. Do you know the one thing that the ref did miss on that play? Did you notice? 
Yeah, some Jets player covered it with his hand briefly. I think it might have been Nate Schmidt. It was Nate Schmidt grabbed it with his hand and moved it out. But I'll say this. It looks like a scramble, right? It looks like this terrible scramble and the puck's everywhere. The fans are booing because they think that the, the, the whistle should be blown down. As you just pointed out, the ref actually did a phenomenal job there. But this is one of these like little things that gets lost in all of this. Connor Hellebuck is lying there and it looks like he's just lie, lied and he's out of it, except his left skate and toe is welded to the post and out of that play the puck actually squirts and is heading in the net right on the inside of the post and it partially gets over the line but does not get all the way over the line because Connor Hellebuck in the midst of all that chaos has his toe exactly where it needs to be to keep that puck from covering the line that would have been a goal otherwise this is one of these subtle plays that just show you how good of a goaltender Connor Hellebuck is. Phenomenal stop. That is the Johnson Group. We've got you covered. Play of the game, uh, according to myself. Uh, and I got to talk about Johnson Group. You won't find two businesses with the same challenges, but you will find 30,000 businesses with Chambers Plan Employee Benefits, proudly administered by our friends at Johnson Group, the Kenny and Rennie OGs. Chambers Plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live. The plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues and Teladoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers plan can benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca. Ken, we've waited too long. I will tell you this. We need to talk about this and I'm glad that we ended the last show talking about it, but Let's just dig into Blake Wheeler. We were giving him props last game, talking about how there's a, a bunch of stuff going on behind the scenes uh, that his team is seeing. We know that because they keep giving him the leather jacket. Uh, Rick Bonus expanded on that in his post-game comments. But, I mean, while a hat-trick speaks for itself, you've got a lot of stuff to cover here. Cover Rick Bonus, talking about what he's meant to this team. But talk about the fact that what we're seeing from Blake Wheeler has started out, I thought, at the beginning of the season, a guy going to the net front just to kind of create problems. And, and, you know, like, and I thought maybe because he didn't have the wheels to do it anymore, he's sure proving myself wrong, a lot of people wrong. He looked like the Blake Wheeler of old tonight. I don't know what you thought. That's what I thought. Well, he was moving incredibly well, and he was rewarded for that. I mean, this 19-28 of ice time today for Blake Wheeler on 25 shifts, four shots on goal, five attempts, had a blocked shot. Uh, I thought he was very active, really involved again in the offense. And, I mean, you're right, Sean. I mean, I love the the play by Wheeler early on. I mean, so we saw the Jets make a subtle maneuver on their power play Sunday night in Chicago. Yes, the 5-on-3 had Kyle Connor in his normal one-timer spot, but the normal power play has him on his strong side again, his left wing, and Blake back on his you know, traditional or more traditional spot along the right wing boards in sort of the Nick Backstrom area of the ice. Uh, man, I love the fact that the player backed off on Wheeler. Wheeler saw an opening and he ripped it home. The next one, Wheeler doing a nice job following up the play late, gets the pass for Pavetti, buries it. On the hat, I mean, Sean, I think you must have seen the same thing. You're in that blue line so, uh, north area. As soon as Mark Shifley turned that puck over, you had to have a feeling that Blake was going to try to get the hat trick there. When Shifley got it to Perfetti, you knew Perfetti would be looking for him. And Blake Wheeler did a nice job filling the hat. 
first hat trick since March 3rd of 2019, uh, fourth of his career. Uh, lo and behold, Blake Wheeler suddenly up to eight goals on the Winnipeg Jets. That is, I mean, tied for third, I think, with Kyle Connor right now. Uh, he has 20, again, it's not always about points, but you can't deny it. Blake Wheeler, 21, 20 points in 21 games. I mean, Blake knows that producing is a big part of his job. But as you mentioned, what Rick Bonus said, what you are seeing from Blake Wheeler, that's as impressive as what he's doing on the ice in, in terms of his point-per-game production, essentially, is what he's doing on the leadership side. There's no hanging of the bottom lip. There's no, you know, dark cloud or anger or anything like that. Blake Wheeler, as he told us, he had time to put the decision to have the captaincy strip behind him. He understood where Rick was coming from. Rick saying again, he's doing an incredible job behind the scenes. And I'm going to tell you right now, you know, Sean, you remember this too. When Patrick Line had the own goal in Edmonton way back in the, uh, you know, in time, it was Wheeler putting his arm around Line. And again, I, I know that things weren't always rosy with those two. I'm not trying to pretend that it was. But what you're seeing now, the, the connection that Blake Wheeler is having with the young guy like Cole Perfetti, uh, I, Blake was honestly, you could tell by the reaction after the celebration, he was absolutely blown away by the ability of Perfetti to find him in the slot with that backhand pass without looking at him. I mean, exceptional job by Perfetti, but man, you can really tell uh, he's kind of embraced that mentorship role with a guy like Perfetti, now playing on a line with him. He's been very complimentary from the very beginning, and you know it's been impressive to watch. And the interactions that you're seeing, again, Blake, Blake is, I've said this before, Blake was not having a lot of fun at the rink the last couple of years, whether that was because of COVID or all the pressure that he put on himself with the captaincy, but the weight has been lifted. Blake is coming to the rink and enjoying himself once again, and he's performing at an exceptionally high level especially for a guy who's 36 years old. I mean, Blake doesn't care about numbers, and he still continues to put them up, and that's part of his job. But boy, oh boy, uh, what a stretch of, you know, again, we've talked about this before. You know, some nights he doesn't have those 26-year-old legs, but today he had them going. They were motoring. He was making things happen. He's doing a nice job on the penalty kill, and, you know, he continues to contribute both on and off the ice. Um, you know what? I thought I went looking back, uh, listened to the last show, which I do sometimes and go through the comments to just kind of make sure that I didn't miss anything. I missed this one last show. Terry Trey said, Shife and Wheels are bringing along Perfetti like they did Kyle Connor. And I'm starting to think like that. That is a comment that is worthy of the home field dig deeper comment. I wanted to you to wax poetic on that a little bit because... This, this is an interesting one. I think that Cole Perfetti's skill set, the way that he plays, yeah, he was on a line with Kyle Connor and uh, um, uh, Pierre Dubois. Dubois for a while. Dubois, of course, is plays a, a style of game that Cole Perfetti just won't be able to play at the NHL level. And I'm not sure that Cole Perfetti is a Kyle Connor style player either in that, you know, I don't think he's, you know, kind of bobs and weaves the way he does. He doesn't have the speed that he does. I don't think he's opportunistic, as opportunistic and gets in those spots. I think he's more along the lines of a a, a Wheeler and a Shifley. And Connor Hellbuck said it tonight. He's always thought that Connor, that uh, Wheeler and Shifley kind of see the game the same way. 
and I would argue that that maybe Cole Perfetti goes in that vein. Like he's a guy who doesn't like to play the, the game at the highest of speeds. He can clearly pass. He likes to confuse uh, his opposition. And I have all the time in the world for this comment by Terry Trey when he's when he brings up the idea of Scheif and Wheels taking this kid under their wing and getting the best out of them the way that they were able to bring Kyle Connor along. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, part of the reason they wanted Kyle Connor in that line, those two early on in Kyle's career, was that Kyle was a predictable player, a straight line player, thought the game really well. Obviously, he has blazing speed that Cole Perfetti does not have, but he thinks the game at exceptional level. Uh, what Cole does is play a predictable game. I do think there is some East-West in his game, and that's part of the reason why Cole is effective, his ability to kind of weave his way through traffic. Um, you know, he's not going to be winning foot races the way that Kyle Connor does. Uh, I would say, I mean, I don't think he has quite as good a release as Kyle Connor either. But again, this is a this is a guy who's in the Rocket Richard Trophy considerations. I mean, 47 last year. So, I mean, uh, I, I do think there is something for that comment for sure. I, I can, I'm here for it. I understand completely. Uh, where he's coming from. I think it's a little bit different situation, but I would say there are some parallels which you touched on and which I'm trying to touch on here. Uh, I do think that there, you know, I got some time for it. Uh, also, I also have some time for the other side of the equation, which is Kyle Connor being reunited with Pierre-Luc Dubois, but that just wasn't done for the sake of having that happen either. I mean, Rick Bonus saying, quite frankly, he expected that line with Perfetti, Wheeler, and Shifley to be put together at some point and you know we wondered if maybe Cole Perfetti might find some time on a line with Dubois and Kyle Connor again like he saw last year as well but uh, I like the combination the way that it is right now I think Perfetti can help uh, that line I think he can play a very predictable game uh, he can play a game that suits well with both of those players and you know I think that I'm not going to say it's a bigger development but the fact that Wheeler and Shifley are starting to play the way they once did, while also, Sean, elevating their defensive game in terms of their responsibilities, because what was the thing that we always talked about with Wheeler and Shifley in recent years? They were giving up as much or more than they were getting. So that's not happening right now either. They're doing a nice job in terms of playing that defensively sound and structured game, but they are playing at a you know very high level in terms of their offensive game as well um, and obviously too we know they can contribute to the you know not a lot of not a lot of jokes being made from the cheap seats about empty net points for Shifley or Wheeler right now either Sean a lot of those are hard five on five points that are being taken care of by both of those individuals no doubt no doubt this is the thing that I th think was uh, interesting when talking to Blake Wheeler about this because I'd asked the idea of him getting back on a line with uh, with um Mark Shifley. And let's be honest, Ken, there'd be a lot of people in, in the Jets fandom. Uh, there'd be a lot of people in the local media. There'd be a lot of people in our chat room who would have probably taken a look at Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler over the last couple of years and had enough of it, right? Like, Ben, let's move on from that. I know we had those conversations. I know people said that. And to be honest with you, I looked at it and I thought those two needed to be broken up as well for exactly what you were talking about. The idea that, yes, they could still pull stuff off offensively but defensively they were kind of getting crammed and and it just got you know caught over and over again but I I thought about this and I asked Blake Wheeler about the idea of hey listen 
we know that you've had chemistry with Mark in the past, but taking that chemistry and now adding it or applying it along with the Rick bonus defensive system that they have going on here. And the one thing that you get time and time again, and this is a tricky thing, Ken, because you players don't want to bash their old coaches and that's not happening. No one's bashing their old coaches, but if there was a guy on this team over the years who had Paul Maurice's back, it was Blake Wheeler, right? And so you wouldn't expect Blake Wheeler to bash, uh, bash, um, Paul Maurice, and he didn't, but he did go out and say that he believes that there's a a renewed commitment to defense. And that's what I'm interested in seeing. You know, the idea, and I I had arrived on that idea, that we didn't need any more Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley, that those two needed to be broken up. With both those two kind of having really bought into everything that Rick Bonus does and Mark Shifley, you know, having these conversations and renewing himself to defense and Blake Wheeler, you know, take, having the ca- captaincy taken away, but still kind of staying on and staying in the fight as, as a leader on this team. I'm fascinated to see what this line has going forward because what I saw tonight, I felt like we saw back in 2018. That line was dominant tonight. That line went out and showed Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen, guys who we have kind of been acting as the de facto best line in hockey. There was no doubt about it in my mind. That line was the best line on the ice tonight. No doubt about it. And so if you add Cole Perfetti into that, I was wondering how that would go. But I think that you, you given a couple games here, now that he's understanding the way those guys play and pick up what those guys are doing as they play, not only could this be a line that uh, you know is going to be really, really hard to contend with throughout the year, but think of the education that Cole Perfetti is getting as this as this year goes on. I think that this has the potential to be the start of something special. Um, I still, you know, I'm going to pull it out and I'm going to say it. Blake Wheeler is a 36-year-old. I'm going to need to see it to believe it. Him being able to maintain that style of play, that level of play throughout the entirety of the season and into the playoffs, it's not easy to do at that age. But boy, oh boy, my interest is peaked. I'm interested in seeing what's going to happen here going forward. Um, Hey, before we go too far, give our main man Big Lou a shout out. Yeah, you bet for the folks in the chat room and for those listening on the podcast later on, if you are looking for anything in the realty realm, uh, if you're buying, if you're selling, if you're interested in where the market is sitting, uh, you could reach our, our guy Lou Furlan at Royal LePage Dynamic Realty. Uh, you can reach him on mobile at 204-791-9971 or at the office at 204-989-5000. Lou is my personal realtor and he's also an incredible human being who is very supportive of the local sports scene and also happens to be a a former Vanya Cup champion uh, with the Manitoba Bisons football team. He's a stud, that Lou. He's an absolute stud. And you know what? I'm going to go ahead already. I didn't star it, so I'm not going to bring up the comment, but we all know what we're talking about here. I'm going to go ahead and give the home field Dig Deeper Award to T. Will for sharing. Uh, I can't imagine how gutted you are right now, T. Will. Like Ken said earlier on, the fact that you feel uh, I feel honored that you feel that uh, the chat room and our podcast here is a safe space for you to come and have that conversation and talk about your loss. That means a ton to me. Uh, we are thinking about you. You know the chat room is thinking about you. You've seen the comments here. Um, bravo to you for sharing that, T. Will. 
Uh, again, can't wait to hoist a beer in honor of your father uh, on December 18th. Uh, Ken, um, one thing that I thought was really interesting was how frustrated Miko Ranton was tonight. I thought that said a lot about the Jets game. We know that there have been a lot better of a defensive team, but there's the point where Saku Menelain and his countrymen in that scrum kind of tosses him to the ground and he gets up and gives him a cross check. And then later on in the game, and this was after a scoring chance that the Colorado Avalanche had, the whistle ends up blowing and he's heading back the other way down the ice and breaks his stick to the delight of the crowd. This is a frustrated guy. Now take a look at this. I believe going into this game, Miko Rantanen had 29 points. It's not like this guy is, you know, in in like an eight-game pointless drought or something like that. So that says something to me. If you've been, you know, having troubles for a number of games now and you're a scorer and you can't score, I can understand getting to that point. But in-game, frustrating Mikko Ranton, one of the greatest scorers in the NHL to the degree that the Winnipeg Jets did tonight, I think says so much about the Winnipeg Jets defensive system and how it wears on other teams' stars. Yeah, great point. And uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, both McKinnon and Rantanen were frustrated clearly out there uh, for various points. Yes, they were still able to get their looks. I mean, that's what's going to happen when you got two of the uh, best offensively gifted players in the league. Nathan McKinnon on a night where he's held off the board, five shots on Cole, nine shot attempts, Sean. Uh, for Rantanen, only three shots on goal, five attempts. I agree with you. He was definitely frustrated out there for sure. And you're right. I mean, again, a lot. This is this is another example. I mean, I love the passion. I mean, it's part of what makes it great. But there were tons of people in the fan base today, Sean, whether it was on social media or elsewhere, that are looking. Hey, what's Rick Bonus doing? You know, hey, that Harkins line with Lowry and Asimont was really good the last little while. And you know what, Sean? They were good. They were good against the Chicago Blackhawks. I personally wouldn't advise having Harkins and Asimont playing head-to-head against Nathan McKinnon and Mikko Rantanen at this stage of their careers. So you can understand why Rick Bonus put Axel Janssen-Fialbi and Saku Menelainen out on the ice. Probably you know a little bit more speed, a little bit more size, a little bit more defensive awareness. Again, and that's not a knock on Harkins and Asimont. They did great in the job that they were asked to do. But they weren't going to be asked to go head-to-head with two of the best offensive players in the NHL. So, once again, the coach knows exactly what he's doing in the game. Is he going to reunite those guys in certain other matchups this homestand? Yes, probably he will. But that was a smart move, and it paid off in serious dividends for the Winnipeg Jets. Um... Again, I'm with you, Sean. I mean, the structure was important. Again, and Hellebuck is doing an excellent job in terms of, you know, giving up some of the, you know, eliminating some of those important scoring chances uh, that are happening. So, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely impressed. And, uh, you know, again, they have to do it over a longer stretch of time. But, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, they are doing things that are important. And those things are what allow them to get to this position where they are at at 14-6-1. Things will get tougher. Um, But right now, they're doing everything that they can possibly do. There are things they need to continue to work. I mean, and I loved, Sean, I loved Rick Bonus's response to your question this morning when you talked about the need, you know, Brendan Dillon telling you at 20 games, you know, you need to be here. Rick was like, hey, man, 
the team has a lot to improve on in terms of their defensive structure. It's improved, vastly improved, but it still will need to improve because the games get tougher and, you know, people will try to, you know, there's a lot of smart coaches in the NHL. They will try to find ways to attack the jet structure in a way that they haven't been able to do in the first quarter and change of the season. But that's where the adjustments that Rick Bonus is able to make are also important. But the biggest thing for me is the commitment to that structure, Sean. And that commitment is something that Dave Lowry was looking for and didn't ever get a full buy-in. And Paul Maurice at the end was not getting the full buy-in on either. So right now, the buy-in is happening. And when a team gets results, it's a lot easier to give the buy-in over an extended period of time. It's a hard style to play, but the Jets are being rewarded for that style. So uh, it's an, it's impressive for sure. Um, Kenny, you're getting a lot of love in the chat room, as you should. Uh, Jeff Kabili says here, I do remember Kenny saying reduced time would help with Blake Wheeler. You were leading the charge on that. Well done on that. I just got to address something here. Craig Zapanski says, how many years in a row do you need to see Wheels be a point, a game player, any to give him the benefit of the doubt? Craig, um, Wheeler hasn't been a point per game player in the last three seasons and only two seasons in his entire career. Uh, I don't think it's crazy to think that after back-to-back 91-point seasons, his produ- production slipping would suggest a player his age was maybe aging out of that ability. Uh, but this is just factually incorrect here, so I wanted to bring that up. And I do want to bring this up as well. Uh, I, all I need to do, Ken, is see the word headband, and I'm down with that. I'd love to see Lou wear a Rennie headband. But in the meantime, <laughs> you're going to have to put up with Rennie wearing a headband. So let's make it uh, uh, Sean's headband version. Kenny and Randy Show. Let's do it, Ken. You know, when I see that video, Ken, I always miss the flow. It would be nice to have the flow. And it makes me think one of these days, I, we, we've you're been You're looking sharp, about buddy. I'm just going to tell you right now, you're, you're looking sharp. Thank you. It, it would be nice to get a K&R headband. And when we do, I got to try and get a headband on John Liu because I think it would look great with that John Liu flow. It would be absolutely phenomenal stuff. And I want to give one last shout out uh, to our sponsors on this show and uh, give a shout out to Cambrian Credit Union. Ken and I are both members of Cambrian Credit Union and we've absolutely uh, found this new website that they've put out and their new online banking is its ease of use is so unbelievably easy. It's one of the things that we love about uh, banking with uh, the credit union and being members. Another thing we love is the unfee accounts. Uh, we can save $222 per year. We simply set up a recurring direct deposit every month to our Cambrian checking or savings account and we qualify. No minimum balance required. Go see the folks at Cambrian Credit Union. They know how to take great care of you. Uh, Ken, uh, w- what direction do you want to go? And I'm going to give you the floor. Yeah, let's quickly go to, <laughs> I know it's our favorite topic on this show, but I think we should just quickly discuss the uh, the disallowed goal for the coach's challenge. Uh, I'd like to get your view, and then I'll be happy to weigh in uh, afterward. You're not going to like my view, and you're not going to no, like uh, The chat room's not going to like the view. How do either. you know? <laughs> I, I'd, be, okay. I'd be fine with your view if it's, if it's okay. a measured take this time. 
Okay. Uh, hey, it was a measured take last time. It was a great take, a uh, courageous take, I would even say. Um, it, it was the right call, once again. And, and at the beginning, I thought it was ridiculous. And then when I saw... Um, so Blake Wheeler tries to thread the needle in between the defender and the goaltender, right? And in doing so, he does enter the crease. And as the goaltender goes to make the play, the shot is going to the post on his blocker side. He goes to move his blocker and he can't get his blocker to where the puck is because Blake Wheeler is in the way. Now, if Blake Wheeler is inches, inches from where he is and entirely out of the crease, it, it to me, it's a good goal and there's no problem with it. But this is why this rule exists. I can't go into the goaltender's crease and stand there and a pass go across and keep him from getting to the other side of the net to stop it. You're not allowed to impede the progress of a goaltender trying to make a save when you are in his crease. So what happens is the goaltender in re reaching with his blocker and realizing he can't get his blocker there because Blake Wheeler is there, he turns and throws his arm around behind him to try and get his glove on the puck because he can't get his blocker there because Wheeler's in the way. In doing so, he throws himself out of position because I was looking and being like, how did this guy get so twisted up like a pretzel? You could see it. Uh, when they first made the call, when Jared Bender made the call, I thought this is going to be a bad situation. The Avs are going to be going down. Uh, not only are they going to get scored on, but they're going to go a man down and the Jets are going to have a power play and they're on fire tonight. I think this is going to be a watershed moment in the game. But when I saw it on instant replay with the benefit of instant replay, I thought the refs got that call right. As they did get the call right uh, by not blowing the whistle in that scrum, the puck was free the whole time. This is another night where the Jets got it right. Or sorry, where the where the refs got it right. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. I mean, I, I here's my I, this, this is my explanation to people. I mean, people that were can, baffled in the press box. To me, um, you know, Jamie Ben's path towards uh, Connor Hellbuck was pretty clear, even though Morrissey did push him, and I understand that. Blake coming from behind the net, you're right. I mean, he was trying to find a little bit of a sliver. I think he started outside the blue paint for sure. But once he collided with Eric Johnson, that's what right. kind of pushed him either yep. on the in the periphery or on the edge of the blue paint. So to me, I do think there was some incidental foot contact. Um, and again, I understand why it was disallowed. I, you know, I'm not 100% sure it was. To me, it was right in the middle of the gray area. And one thing too, uh, you know, our buddy Jeff Hamilton was wondering. Shouldn't Georgiev have had time? I mean, by the time, here's my here's my argument. I think this is what Blake's thing was also. After the puck goes off the post, I don't think Georgiev knows where. I don't think it has anything to do with the incidental foot contact. I think he's swimming and has no idea where the puck is. So it. it, it the thing is, though, he's he's swimming. The reason he's swimming is because he goes to try and make the save with the blocker, and because he can't get his blocker there, he's fighting on the play and throws his arm behind him to try and make a behind-the-back save. Oh, okay. And in doing that, throws his body into a twist. So he's swimming, no doubt. And I remembered at the beginning of it thinking, like, what's this goaltender doing? And again, before seeing the Jumbotron in the replay, right. I thought it was a terrible call by them. But here's the thing is he's swimming because he can't get to where he needs to go and he Chicken can't get to where he needs to go because Blake Wheeler's in the way and I can I, I say this Blake Wheeler's two inches away from it being like 
too bad. I can go in whatever ice I want as long as it's outside of the crease. If you need to go outside of the crease to make a save, that's your problem. This ice is mine as much as it is yours. But the way the NHL rules work is the ice in the crease is the goalies before it's Blake Wheelers, and that's why the play gets called. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly interesting. Like I said, it was a, it was really it was one of those tight calls. And again, Jared Bednar knows the risks associated with that being wrong, right? I mean. If yes. that's wrong, if he's wrong, he's got a big problem, right? So, uh, I'm w- sorry, I, Grant Braun says the goalie made a big show of it. I've got all the time in the world for this argument. Like, I, Georgiev was like flying all over the place. So, I, I'm not saying that this didn't happen. I've got all the time in the world for this argument. So, just and the other part too, and I think Sean, you touched on it the other day in Minnesota when the eye contact between Rick Bonus and Connor Hellebuck happened on the six-one goal. I Georgiev right away looked at the bench like he kind of gave it one he gave it the old one of these with his stick he's kind of like come on like that that had to, that had to be an, an issue that maybe requires goalie interference uh, like I said I'm not, I wouldn't say it was definitive that I would have said it was obviously goalie interference uh, this is another kind of gray area special uh, but hey I mean there was definitely contact and I wrote I, I tweeted right away when the goal was scored I'm like I think the Avalanche are going to look to challenge for goalie interference. So, uh, anyways, let's uh, let's go on to what else do we have today, today that uh, we need to dig into in the last seven minutes here. Well, how about Morgan Barron moving up? Well, he moved up, and then he uh, kind of in the third period he went back to Axel Janssen Fialbi there. Um, so, anyways, it's interesting. I mean, Jets have a lot of faith in Barron. I thought he was steady in his first game back on the fourth line. I wonder if it was more of a minutes thing, uh, Sean. I mean, he had he still played 21 shifts for 16:02, but again, even though Barron was able to skate, you know, it was two weeks after the wrist surgery he got back onto the ice. I spoke with Barron this morning, uh, I mean, but he hasn't really, you know, he can't be in game shape without playing games. So it's a second game back, and when you're playing a team that plays at hyper speed like the Avalanche do when they're at you know full capacity with all their you know non-injured players. Um, you need to have that speed, and I, I like Baron there. As you know, he's a little bit more of an offensively gifted option compared to Axel Janssen Fialbi. But man, Fialbi, uh, Janssen Fialbi got moved back up there, Sean, in the third, and you saw that tenacity again. You saw him yeah. a little bit more effective on the forecheck. But uh, I think it's worth looking a little bit more, Sean, in terms of seeing if Morgan Baron can have an impact on that line as a solution, band-aid solution, if you will. Uh, but again, I mean, it wasn't a crazy great effort, but he still managed two shots on goal. Um, I, I like his board board battles. I liked his ability to, you know, he hangs on to the puck a little bit more than a guy like Axel Janssen Fialbi as well. So I think there has the potential to be some chemistry there. But I think the other thing you've got to realize, Barron hasn't spent a lot of time. Yes, he is a versatile guy. He played center, he played left wing. Probably hasn't played a whole lot of right wing, and he hasn't had a lot of practice time this last little while here. So to me, I think it's something that that deserves a little bit more of a longer look uh, in terms of seeing if it's going to be an option. Uh, what do you think? Um, you know what? I, I, th- this is the one thing that. I, I, okay, so we talked about this, and I talked it on the CJOB uh, pregame show. I think that moving the lineup around like the Jets go and they just absolutely destroy the Chicago Blackhawks 
and then entirely turn their lineup around, right? And it's it it's, does seem a little bit odd because usually coaches like to stick with the line that you know with, with the lineup that did so well for them, right? But I'm okay with this. I'm okay with him doing that because what I think is Rick Bonus is showing time and time again that he's got confidence with this team no matter what, no matter who's anywhere. And I love that idea that he's going to go out and they're going to have a seven. 7-2 victory, and then he's going to walk out after that, and he's going to change stuff up because he's like, well, yeah, you did good, great job, we appreciate it, and he, we know Rick Bonus has a way of taking these guys and 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 getting them motivated, so he does. I don't think Rick Bonus needs to worry about a guy saying, I went up and I played great on that line, and what, I don't get another opportunity? I think he says, listen, we've tried you out, we know what you're doing, now your job is to go where we tell you and give the best in that spot, and he's got everyone bought into that. So since he has the buy-in, he can make changes like he did tonight, and he can do so, I think, without ruffling feathers and by kind of sharing these really big opportunities around. I think one thing he's got with that is there's such good chemistry between Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois that I think he kind of feels like you can put anyone on that line and those two are still going to get enough accomplished with each other didn't necessarily happen tonight but the expectation is they'll get something done and that you can take and you know throw a bone to Sacramento line and Morgan Barron you know maybe uh, uh you know well we know Janssen Fialbi, but you know, a Harkins or something like that. And you can throw those guys a bone and say, hey, we've given you opportunities in the top six. And he said that about Morgan Barron. He said he earned that responsibility to go up into the top six. I don't know that I would stick with it again tonight I, because here, here's what I think. I think if you keep him there in a spot like that, if you go back to Morgan Barron in that spot, what you're saying to him is, yeesh, it didn't go exactly how we thought. Maybe you didn't have the best game. So we're going to keep you here to try and build your confidence. I think Rick's ability to take guys and be like, you had an opportunity. It didn't necessarily work out. But it's not going to be your last opportunity there. In the meantime, we're going to go put you in places that you've had a lot of success so far. And we're going to go back and, and try these roles. Because in the end, Ken, he's not staying up in the top six. Nick Ehlers is coming back and taking that spot. So you don't need to coach Morgan Barron into like staying in that spot. He is eventually going to go down and work you know, those lower, you know, the bottom six. So moving him back into the bottom six is no punishment. And I don't think he needs to look at it as a failure. He had success just the game before. I think he's putting him down and saying, you don't need to be in the top six to be confident in getting something out of yourself. You're going to be just fine. I think Rick Bonus just does a phenomenal job of taking every kind of potential problem and turning it into an opportunity. And I think we've seen that, you know, go right back to Harkins getting sent down had a great conversation with Brendan Dillon. Okay, I'm going to share this. I don't I don't even think I talked with you about this earlier on. I had a really great conversation with with um, uh, Brendan Dillon in which he said to me, Rick Bonus has just done this really, really good job of selling everybody on their roles. And it doesn't mean your role stays the same, but it's it's you are given a role on a specific night. That's your role. Take pride in that role. Do your best in that role. And he said... You know, Jansen Harkins is maybe a guy who in camp didn't really get that. This is a guy who's trying to become Mark Shifley or those players. That's what he's trying. That, that's the place that he's trying to get to. And and Rick Bonus in camp was asking him to do something else. And and Brendan Dillon had figured maybe just maybe he didn't he didn't really accept that role. And what happened out of him not accepting that role is he didn't fit in in camp. He went down, but he came back up and since has accepted the role that's been given to him. And and that 
I would suggest, you know, out of the mouth of Brendan Dillon is the greatest accomplishment of Rick Bonus this year is he walks in and he says, everyone's got an identity on a night. Sometimes that identity is going to change like it did with Morgan Barron tonight. But when I give you an identity, you take pride in that identity and you do the best you can with that identity. He touched on a little bit. I think it was a question of yours. I'm not sure about Cole Perfetti tonight and said, you know, Cole Perfetti had had, you know, a bad game or something like that. And the message to him was be a good pro. It's not always going to be your way, but when it doesn't go your way, come back, work hard and be a good pro. That's what's happening here. Rick Bonus has created a structure that works. That structure has different pieces, which each have their own identity. And he's asking players to accept whatever identity they're given on that night. And they're doing that. And that, Ken, is the secret sauce of why the Jets are so successful this year. Yeah, bang on. And it's an important part of the deal. I mean, people know (laughs) it's a hard league, right? Because everyone wants more, right? But when you are assigned a role and you embrace the role, then you can have success, right? And then ever like you've talked about this for years, Sean. Under this system where Rick Bonus is empowering players, everyone feels like they're part of it, right? I mean, before it was if you played on the fourth line, well, you know what? You're probably going to play four to five minutes. Right now, if you're on the fourth line, you probably figure you're going to play seven to ten minutes, and you're probably contributing to the penalty kill. Like what Rick Bonus talked about, you know, Dominic Toninato came into the lineup, did a nice job. Hey, guess what? David Gustin's a better penalty killer than you are right now, Dominic. Thank you for your contributions. Stay ready. And David is going to return to the lineup. So, again, Morgan Barron missed 10 games. So am I surprised that, you know, he didn't play 20 minutes tonight? Of course not. You know, it was okay, but it wasn't great. So he switched things up a little bit. Uh, sorry, i got to just quickly say something to Maul uh, Paris here. Um, Maul, remember when Ken Reeves said they were going to trade Wheeler? And if they didn't, they would need to improve the forward group. July 11th. Blake Wheeler openly admitted he was talking to the Jets about a trade. I didn't say definitively that Wheeler would be gone. I said there were discussions about Wheeler being in the mix to be moved. That's accurate. It's still accurate. And the Jets did need to improve the forward group. And they did improve the forward group, but not with the type of players we anticipated by getting Saku Menelainen and Sam Gagne and guys of that nature. So, and also one quick one for Rob Mahoney. Rob, yes, I already mentioned that Wheeler was 19 plus tonight. That's true. He's down two minutes on average for the season in terms of time on ice. So my receipts are just fine. Today, his minutes were up. For the majority of the year, his minutes have been down roughly two minutes. I just wrote about Blake Wheeler. I did my homework. I got the receipts. So I appreciate you holding me accountable, but I'm not wrong in this case. And I did say today that he had 19 minutes. And that was more of an exception than the rule this year. Blake has earned those minutes, but a lot of nights he's played in that 16 to 18 minute range where last year he was consistently at 20 and above. Okay, uh, it's time to wrap it up here. Um, so uh, I just wanted to say once again, we really appreciate all the people who have bought tickets for the Kenny and Rennie live show. We can't wait to meet with you. I'm so excited that we can announce 
that we sold it out uh, the December Christmas show before we even got to November. That means a ton to us. We appreciate so much that you want to spend the time with us because we want to spend the time with you. And that goes for you in the chat room as well. We had over 400 here tonight. People are getting excited about the Jets. Um, and they should be. I think they, they have every reason to be excited about it. But we love that you take that excitement and bring it to us and apply it to our show. It means a ton to us. And of course, it always means a ton to us uh, uh, that our sponsors have our backs. Uh, I've said it once, I'll say it every single show. Um, if you enjoy and appreciate the conversations that are happening in these spaces, please appreciate our sponsors who invest in keeping uh, these conversations. And that would include Vittorio Rossi, uh, the people at TransCanada Brewing, the Johnston Group, uh, Big Lou Ferlin, Homefield. And, of course, Cambrian Credit Union. Thank you so much. A couple days off here uh, on the clock. Sorry, who did I say was on the clock for that for the victory? Gord Frazier, you're on the clock for your eight-pack of Frosty Delicious uh, Lamplighter Ale. Get a hold of me at SN Sean Reynolds. Uh, other than that, everybody, we really appreciate your time. Can't wait to do this with you again on Friday.